Welcome to the Give Me Liberty podcast. On this week's episode, we finally had the opportunity to catch up with John Cooper, lead singer of Skillet, to talk about the growing divide in mainstream evangelicalism that's been boiling over for the past three years, everything from Big Eva, COVID, wokeism, holding the line on biblical truth and the authority of God's word. All of this we discuss and more with John Cooper on the Give Me Liberty podcast starting now. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Give Me Liberty podcast. I'm joined by my friend John Cooper, lead singer of Skillet and host of Cooper Stuff podcast. Brother, welcome. What's up? How you doing, man? Hey, dude, I'm doing great, especially now that you're here. Okay. All right, we're doing it. We're doing it. Bro, I have wanted to have an interview with you for at least two years. I want to, like, what, what year are we in? We're in 2023, probably three years. <laughs> what year are we in? Not only what year are we in, what world are we in? Everything's changed so much. I know we're not in America. I know it's, it's, we're in some weird, you know, matrix or something. But, yes, go ahead. Yeah, it's like a multiverse. It you is. know, like, I think Marvel had that one thing right. right. Like, we're in this multiverse or this tangential. If you remember Back to the Future. Yeah. Like, we're in that part where Biff Tannen. Actually, it's not Biff Tannen. It's AOC is running the world. Right. AOC. <laughs> World Health Organization, Davos, you name it. And all of a sudden, like, I, I'll just say this. We were talking about this off camera. I I was noticing these things in 2020. I was noticing before, okay, pre-woke, you know, pre-2020, before the get your vax, love your neighbor, get the jab, six feet apart, two weeks to slow the spread. Like, all of those things that we heard, wear your mask, wear your mask. Um <laughs> Before all of that, we had we just had this woke virus, this woke social contagion that was going around. That that the way we express, um, you know, virtue signal our own public righteousness. The way we do that is by by this sort of grievance gospel. This sort of um, I love what Vody Bauckham called um, ethnic gnosticism, yeah. um, and we've got to placate these these political forces that were foisting this upon the, the American public, not just in the public square, but also in the church. Mm -hmm. You notice this. I so appreciate you being a voice against it, not just saying, hey, I don't like this. Let me stand against it. But no, like, let me drop some theological knowledge on you. Let me drop some scripture on you where there's clear passages in scripture that direct us to what true righteousness is and what true forgiveness grace is in Jesus Christ who by the way he's paying the bills folks we're not paying the bill you're not paying the bill I'm not I'm not the one I'm not the debt holder for somebody else oh no 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 I can't forgive you Jesus makes it clear you can't forgive you're not going to be forgiven mm -hmm. there's just some craziness going on yeah but you spoke up against it I'm seeing wokeism still in the church but I'm seeing it right now, largely there is kind of a, a pause. We're not gonna say much right now because we know we can't support this transgender nonsense, but we're also not speaking out against it. Yes. And when we, when we overturned Roe v. Wade finally, how many pastors didn't say anything about it in yeah. the pulpit, right? Yes. Really, really sad what, to see what is happening. You know what I think I would wanna start was this, that. The truth will set you free. Actually, let me let me let me rewind. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you are my disciples, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. So, so 
what, what I think that maybe we've missed sometimes, and I understand how it's going. You know, we're always going to be in these pendulums. I, I get it. But I can look back on my own life and say, I remember what it was like to be a Christian in the 90s. I remember what I thought in the 90s, like, all this theology doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about Jesus. Yeah. You know, I can remember myself saying things like this. And then I can remember in the 2000s, all these Christians getting politi- it's not political. It's not about politics. It's about Jesus. I can hear myself saying these things. What, what, what we didn't realize, people like me, frankly, is that when you know Jesus, you begin to understand truth. You begin to understand wisdom, right? From, uh, from, from his mouth comes knowledge and wisdom, Proverbs yes. says. You begin to have wisdom about the way the world works. You begin to, to be able to spot things that are lies, spot things that are truth. Not perfectly, and we all need each other to do that. We're, we're all together. It's not just you doing everything you want to do because you have all the wisdom. What I noticed in yeah. 2020 was like, oh, okay, so we have a church full of people that say it's all about Jesus— and we don't need to know anything about truth and lies. That's what it seemed like because as we're as we have churches closing down for COVID, and of course we didn't nobody knew anything about COVID. It was a, a novel virus. We didn't know anything about. People are shutting down, as you said before we started taping. By by the time May came around, yeah. Everybody should have known what was going on because totally. all you gotta do is read the literature. Yeah. And you're like, oh I see. This is not the Black Plague. This is not really affecting anybody under about 70 years old, unless there's comorbidities, right? Um, obesity and, and heart problems. Yeah, there obviously there are things, but it's not what they're saying to us. There's something of an authoritarian, tyrannical nature happening here, and this can't this can't actually be right, and it cannot be good for not just for Christians. For American citizens. And I think what the church started doing was, well, even if we agree with what you just said, John, we need to show the world that we love people. So now they're involved in a whole other thing, which is like, we're not going to speak the truth because we'd rather... We'd rather be involved in lies as long as it makes people think that we love them. And you're like, that's so far from what the gospel is. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. And I think that a lot of this has just been lack of worldview lack of theological you know yes. training and a real desire for the world to, to like you yeah. I just think that's what I think it's fear of man yes it's pretty ugly you know I, I love what you say there though that there was this kind of this feeling uh, of um, among those in the church big Eva I'm thinking about people that are not just pastors of churches but they have a platform they're, they're public intellectuals in many ways, and they spout off some knowledge. And they're, yeah, I'm not going to name names right now, okay? But I, I would say that we all know who they are, okay? Um, it was clear that they were more concerned about a PR move, a public relations stunt, if you will. I'm not going to talk about what China's doing. I'm not going to talk about the Wuhan lab. I'm not going to talk about the awkward protest that for some reason suspends all of the data that is being put out there about COVID. So you can protest, you can do all the things, you're not even wearing masks, whatever. People are doing whatever they want in Chaz in Portland, Oregon, in LA County. But is the moment that, uh, the moment that it's Sunday morning comes, 
by the way, they could go to Walmart. They could go to a strip club. They could go to um, yeah, abortion, uh, abortion clinics, yes. casinos, weed dispensaries. I, I used to say that time I was like, so you're telling me that in like in California, for instance, because, you know, John MacArthur, Pastor MacArthur spoke out of us. Right. Like you're telling me in California you can go to a strip club and take shots of tequila. Yes. But you cannot go to church and take the Lord's Supper. Right. Mac, John, and Pastor MacArthur yeah. is saying, hey, this isn't right. We're not going to do it. And then Big Eva comes out against John MacArthur. John MacArthur. That's exactly right. I, I got so lit up. I, I felt that like. Yeah. I got I got angry. So like you like it's almost like this is the level of darkness. You read in the New Testament about even the elect will be deceived by the Antichrist. Okay, so I want to pull that out. Like Paul warns about this, the great deception that even the elect. Okay, so all of a sudden you have some satanic force saying something and then the elect are saying verbatim parroting that thing and then in a way as so as to scold like <laughs> yeah, all right, right. listen all you guys obey you know i think about the the old schindler's list you know the movie like where some of the jews would they'd have obviously the star of david on their arm but then you'd have the jewish police which what were they to do they're the ones who are supporting the regime and policing their own people rather than being like Elijah or, as a Christian, John the Baptist, right, a, a New Testament figure, and, and speaking prophetically against the wickedness that we're seeing. Instead, they're like, no, 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 mind your P's and Q's. Mind your P's and Q's. All right, everybody, stand up straight, get in the line. You know, the Nazis are coming. And, and that seemed to be what our folks that were trying to represent the church, that's what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this, this book that I've been working on is coming out. I talk about this very thing. I talk about that, that the, the church is supposed to be the, the prophetic voice. We're supposed to be the, the young David yeah. that comes out and sees Goliath and is like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine yes. speaking against the armies of the living God? They're supposed to be a rising up. And, and I said in my book, I said, it, sh it should be the prophetic voice of, our, of, of the prophets to, you know, today, if the prophets, if you will, saying, no, government is not God. But I said, instead, what we see are, are Christian leaders demanding that the people of God make peace with Pharaoh. That's it. Make peace with Pharaoh. Yeah. And, and you're like, yeah, but God's calling us. God's calling us out. God's saying, let my people go. And our prophets are saying, no, be nice to Pharaoh. Yeah. It, it, it's a real it's a real sad, sad time. And I don't know if it's just that they, they still want to have a seat at the table. Yeah. Like they want to be seen as we're still working with people. But the truth is, is that we are in a time... I believe, and I think you probably would say agree with this. You know, there's a scripture in the New Testament that said, because they, because they hated the truth, God gave them to a great delusion. Romans 1. He gave them over to a great delusion, and they, and because of that, they loved what was evil. And so we're at a time when you're not going to be able to convince people to give you a seat at the table because our good fruit— taste bitter to them. They're, they're under a delusion and they've traded evil for good and good for evil. And so when we're like, yeah, but you don't understand, we're the, we're the nice ones. We, we love people. I think they're like, yeah, your love tastes gross to me yes. because they, they, they disagree. Their version of love demands, this is a true story, that my daughter who's in college, who sits next to a, a boy who identifies as a cat, he meows, 
he wears cat stuff. Their version of love demands that my daughter say out loud, you're not a boy, you're a cat. She, she has to refer to him as a cat or, or, or you, you might be under threat of getting kicked out of the school or whatever the case may be. That's their version of love. Their version of love means taking your kid to a Dodgers baseball game while we celebrate drag queens that come out and mock the name of, of Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's something we, could, we, we couldn't even imagine. And so it's not just that we want to be angry about it. I, I, I get riled up because I'm so tired of hearing Christians be like, yeah, but you, but you have to show them that you love them. And I'm just like, you, how are you not understanding love it's 2023? Del- That's right. Love delights in the truth. Love delights in the truth. Come on now. So yeah. I, I just want to encourage Christians. I'm not saying everybody needs to start going out and yelling. Don't start yelling at people on right. social media. Not not, beca- we don't need to become Westboro Baptists. Absolutely not. But we not. do need to be Christians. We do need to be <laughs> Christians who, who, this is the thing that I've been saying. And if somebody sees me on an interview, they may have heard it before, but sorry, but it's pretty convincing for the people who keep saying it's not about it's not about getting angry it's about loving people and blah blah what i would say to them is this i want you to imagine that it is 1840 and your next door neighbor has slaves and your next door neighbor's a christian come on now he's even a christian right and he's got slaves and not only does he have slaves he's abusing those slaves all right, right. so so right. it's not just like oh no no they no not just he has them and are you just going to be like, I just, it's a, I want him to know I love him. I love you, brother. Or are you going to say, dude, you, you're man stealing. It's against the law of God, what you're doing. You, you can't keep doing this. And, it, and, and, and then you see him abusing them and you still don't speak up because you're like, yeah, but honestly, it's not about that. It's about being friend. And, and, and if somebody's listening to this and they say, well, yeah, of course I'd speak up if it was slavery. I would just challenge you. The reason you think that that's a more obvious issue is because it's not the issue of the day. Exactly. If you think, oh, I would stand up for slavery, but I'm not willing to stand up against trans ideology. Yep. I'm not willing to stand up for abortion, uh, uh, against abortion, excuse me. I'm not willing to stand up for, honestly, we have a, sh- a smorgasbord of issues you could stand totally. up for. If you're not willing to, at the very least, to say it's evil and I will not put up with it and I'm teach my kids to stand against it, I'm going to vote against it, I'm going to speak out against Drag Queen Story Hour at my public schools, even if my kids don't go to those public yeah. schools, I'm, because this is not just about power and that Christians want to have power. This is because we're on the precipice of the end of civilization totally we're on the precipice of this is how an empire dies yep and god knows it'll what's destabilize next. the entire world the entire world yep. so we're not just fighting for christian liberty yeah we're fighting for the liberty of people who hate jesus yeah they but they don't understand the liberty that christian civilization has provided they don't even understand it. It's going to be it. bad for everybody. And spoiler, guys, I, I firmly believe, I, I love what you said about 1840 and, and the reference to slavery. I fully believe that the guys that are under the delusion that, oh, if I had lived there, if I was there, no, 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 I, I would have done the right thing. Like, no, you won't. You're not even doing the right thing right now. Yes. <laughs> You're not even doing it right now. If you can't do it right now, folks, you would not have been faithful back then either. Yes. In fact, don't don't refer to the prophets. I mean, this is the other thing. 
if the prophets were here, they'd condemn you too. That's the irony of the whole thing. Right. And by the way, don't even talk about meeting Jesus because if Jesus was here, he'd be flipping the tables over. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember that the moment, you recall this in the gospels, when Peter saw him for the first time, he says, go away from me, Lord. Mm. It's because he recognized, this is about the casting the nets right. over, the, over, the, yes. over the side yes. of the boat. He recognized the presence of his holiness and his perfect righteousness. Mm. And to and and true, uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." C.S. Lewis says, "Yeah, that's true, because only the pure in heart want to." Mm. And I think the reality is, is that there are many people today, going back to the virtue signaling and the wokeism and everything else, that they are under the belief of a false gospel. And they don't even realize it. John, what do we do to turn these things around? You're using your platform to do it. Um, obviously, we're trying to do it at the Freedom Center. But what needs to happen? I think we need, everybody's longing for revival. But I'm going to add the other word that no one really wants to hear, reformation. Yeah. We need to be similar to what happened with Martin Luther. It was a kind of a rediscovery of the gospel. It wasn't kind of, it was. Um, not that people weren't saved prior to him, but in a very large way uh, with the Gutenberg Press, he was getting the Bible in the common tongue to everyone. It was, it was, it was uh, overturning what the magisterial um, church was doing, the Catholic Church, in order to say, well, penance needs to take place, and you need to practice the seven sacraments mm -hmm. and all of that. We needed reformation, a rediscovery of the truth rooted in God's, in God's Word, sola scriptura, justification by faith alone, through Christ alone, by His shed blood. We need a reformation in the church today, mm, and we do need revival. Good. I think that's really good. I mean, I, I would like to, I, yes, agree. I would like to say one thing about this that not everybody's going to agree with me, even people that uh, that I usually always agree with and that I admire. They don't agree with this, and, and I'll tell you first why they don't. That, well, no, no, let me say the sentence first. I, I think it's a real shame that our pastors and church leaders, it seems... I don't mean this arrogantly, and I don't know if it's fair. It seems they know almost nothing about political philosophy. Agreed. I, I don't understand. Agreed. Okay, I'm glad you agree. Now, some like civics. Yeah. And and like where Paul even says in Acts, like he appeals through Roman law. He understood it as a Roman citizen. He wasn't just a theologue in the church, a wonk in the yes. church who couldn't translate to, no, no, I know how to talk to before a civil magistrate. I know how to talk to a judge. Yes. I know how to talk to a governor because I'm a Roman and I'm, I've actually studied Roman law. I think it's important. Now, some people are like, John, what you're saying is, is that pastors then should should spend their time not in the, just the authority. Let me rewind. If you have the Bible, you have everything you need. I 100% agree. Sure. You don't need political philosophy books. I agree. But he's, so, so, so people that know have said, John, but you're saying get away from the authoritative word of God and then spend time on politics. And then that's not what their job is. And, and I hear that. And I don't think you need all those other books. I just think that they're not finding what they should find in the Bible about political philosophy because it's, it's in the Bible. As you just said, the Apostle Paul is, is like about to be beaten. And he's like, hey, 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 you know I'm a Roman citizen. You're, you're not actually allowed to beat me like this because I know the law. And, and, and he is working out a way to where he's going to get in, an audience with the person at the top. You know, he, he knows what's going on. 
The reason it matters is because a lot of the people that I think don't understand political philosophy, which I'm not a political philosopher, but I know enough to know, what they seem to be saying is this, hey, stop saying we have to open our church. John MacArthur, right. stop saying you're going to open your church because that's just politics and you're not here to tell the government what to do, you're here to preach the word. What, what they don't understand is that our, our, this is almost funny, if our founding fathers were here and they heard a pastor of a Christian church, which was the civic religion the, uh, of, of America. Right. Our, and if, if they heard a pastor say, hey, hey, don't bring religion into politics, like George Washington would be like, what are you talking about? Exactly. These are not. These are inseparable things. Yes. What do you mean? What do you mean? Don't bring it in. Of course, being a good citizen means having a voice into what is happening in politics. Being a good citizen means saying to the government, "You don't have a right to do that," based on our own founding documents that recognize that the king is under the law. You're, you're not above the law. That's being a good citizen. So. What advantage is it for our pastors to not understand that we do have some rights, these things are actually good, it is being a good citizen for pastors to speak into the civil realm? What are, yeah. you, what are you thinking to the government? So I think that's a real tra travesty. If we want revival, then I would say go back and look at the revivalist. See what Jonathan Edwards had to say, which our pastors would never say today. Right. Um, they would never preach a Jonathan Edwards sermon. Go see what Jonathan Edwards was saying and see how holiness in the church was the driving emphasis. In other words, churches that are praying for revival but refuse to talk about sexual purity amongst God's people. Right. Refuse to talk about and, right, let's say this, because they could say, well, you can serve as love materialism. You're right. Speak against materialism. It's not good. Mm. Speak against the, the idolatry of thinking that as long as I can own enough stuff, then, that I'm, then it's going to make me happy. That's idolatry? Yes. Mm. And then they'll say, Christian nationalism, you see America as an idol. Well, no, I don't. But if there are people like that, speak against that too. Sure. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You can't get I, to revival without holiness. It's amen. ridiculous. And I don't even mean to cut, cut you off there, but like, that, that whole thing is a trope. That Christian it is a trope. They're, they're attacking it, and, and this, is, this is the ultimate tilting at windmills. Um, the number of people that you can count that are actually those people, I mean, the, 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 the Carl Schmitz of the world, um, who are actual Nazis, it is a very small group of people. Absolutely. It is a total distraction, total distraction. But keep going. No, I totally agree with it. I, I'm more like just like giving them in like, you're right. We should preach against that. There's like five of those people in America. Yes. There's like five Christians going to church who actually believe that America is the new Israel. I mean, sure. that's not something that Christians actually believe. That's right. So I, I just think that, that we have to be willing to talk about things that, frankly, I just think that a lot of churches don't want to talk about because, because they don't understand political philosophy. They think these are political issues. But... But they should know from the Bible they're not. Talking about sexual morality is not a political issue. That is a biblical issue. Unless you're a Marxist. Yeah. But uh, yes, oh. right? And if you say Marxist, they'll say, well, that's too political. <laughs> yeah, I, talk, I talked to a pastor recently. Yeah. Because I said, I said in the sermon, I just said, hey, I'm, I'm not talking about politics today. And I mentioned something about, I, I quoted Karl Marx. 
I mean, Karl Marx is a God-hating atheist and basically saying how we have to have the end of religion, the end of morality in order to reach the new world. And so I was talking later and he said, I do wonder how people are going to take it because, you know, you, you did say you wouldn't talk about politics, but you kind of did. And I said, I'm sorry, excuse me, when did I talk about politics? He said, well, you, you kind of talked about Karl Marx and whatever. And I said, yeah, do you remember the quote? Yeah. <laughs> it's the end of morality. Yeah. And it's the beginning of a new world. That is not a political conversation. That is a, that is a religious conversation. Totally. And so if we're not going to attack these things, then I actually believe this dream of praying for revival and never telling the people of God to get your house in order so that the, because the light of Christ that purifies us, the light will become brighter and brighter and brighter. And then a dark world will see the light. We want to like, have revival without being the light, without being the salt, it really it really doesn't make any sense. So I think I agree with you about that reformation, revival, holiness. Let's don't be afraid to understand what the church's role is in the in the political sphere. Yeah, above all things, pursue holiness for without which none can please God. Come on now, right? that's what the Bible says. Amen, amen. Brother, thank you so much, John Cooper, for stopping by. And folks, stick around for final thoughts. Thank you for watching the Give Me Liberty podcast. Please like and subscribe and share with a friend. I really appreciate John Cooper, who has embraced his role as a truth teller in an age of cultural relativism. He, unlike many Christian artists and musicians, he does not demur or go back on his heels when it comes to standing on the truth of God's word. Would you have ever imagined a time when someone like John Cooper would be walking lockstep with somebody like John MacArthur? These are exciting times we're living in. I also appreciate Cooper's understanding of the role of the church in the age of love is love, in the age of relativism. It is not enough to earn the culture's respect or acceptance. That is the strategy of compromise and failure. Christians are to speak the truth in love, yes, but speak the truth. So often what you see today is speaking words of affirmation and acceptance completely divorced from the truth. Cooper is courageous because he is doing what is completely countercultural, and he is displaying righteous rebellion against the dominant virtues of the age. I appreciate you listening and watching. Until next time, God bless you.